One Nation Under God, part one. You know, the goal is for all of this to continue to election week. Hopefully it'll at least get close anyway. But part one, the founding of our nation. If you have your Bibles with you, I'll invite you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 58, verse number 12. Isaiah 58, 12. I invite you to stand with me if you're able, honor reading of God's word. And those from among you, excuse me, and those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins, and you will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. May God add blessing to read his word, may be seated. <laughs> we as a nation are, are in trouble. I honestly believe that we are one bad election away from this, this nation going to pot. I, I hope it's not this one. This election became even more important this week with the, the passing of uh, Ruth Ginsburg, a liberal that was put on the Supreme Court by Bill Clinton. We're, we're one Supreme Court justice away from getting Roe versus Wade overturned. One conservative justice, and we can do away with abortion. And I hope it's not this election that, that the country slips away from us. But ultimately, it's going to depend on Christians. The outcome is going to depend on what we as God's children do or don't do. Vote or not vote. It all boils down to that simple decision. Our nation is in a, a state of moral decay. Wrong is right. What's right is wrong. Too many people believe that there is no absolute truth. You know, whatever I feel like goes, whatever I feel like must be right, whatever I think I want to do today is perfectly fine. And unless change springs forth from the church, unless change comes from, from us as individual Christians, us as God's children, our na great nation is gone. Stand up and be counted and be heard. As I mentioned last week, you know, starting a, a series like nothing that I've ever done before, not even come close to it. And as I mentioned last week, you know, several of you are probably thinking, well, good, this is finally going to be a good series then. We've been eight, waiting eight years for, for a good series. And that's all right. But today we're cutting to the, to the heart of the matter of what, how the issues affect our beliefs, how what the how where the candidates stand affect our Christian walk and our our, our views. And I cannot endorse a, a candidate from the pulpit; it, it is illegal. But I can tell you what the Bible says. I can tell you what the Bible believes tells us to believe, and where candidates line up on it. I had a dear sweet lady. Member of this church, several years ago, I was over at a house visiting with her. It was about, about this time of the year. And a political commercial came on TV there, and she said, Preacher, I'm going to be voting for Obama because I believe that Romney is going to take away my Social Security check. Didn't matter about Obama's view on gay marriages. Didn't matter about him lighting the, the White House up in the rainbow colors. Didn't matter about his, his view on, on a, a, abortion. Now, I'm not knocking her. 
But we need to look at the facts when we're considering what we're going to do. We need to look at the facts about where candidates stand and, again, how they affect our beliefs. Not the way that other people may try to spin it. Not the way that, that the commercials are set up today and designed to, to strike fear in our hearts, but to know what Scripture says on what we're to believe and where we're to stand. Over the next few weeks, I'll, when I give a fact or a statistic or, or quote history you know, to, to protect myself, I'll always try to, to quote my source. And today, as we're looking at the founding of our nation, all of my historical facts, other than a few, and I'll, I'll mention where they come from when I do, but all the historical facts, unless otherwise noted, come from the American Patriots Bible, general editor Dr. Richard Lee Thomas Nelson Publishing. But even, Chris, even people will argue the fact that this nation was not founded upon Christian principles. Even, I've even heard Christians argue the fact that we were not built upon Christian principles. I'd like to argue otherwise. The first permanent settlement was an English colony in Jamestown in 1607, and now what is Virginia? Similar to the other colonial charters, the first charter of Virginia emphasized the Christian character of their purpose. And I quote from that charter, We greatly commending and graciously accepting of their desire for the furtherance of so noble a work, which may by the providence of Almighty God hereafter tend to the glory of His divine majesty in propagating of the Christian religion to such people as yet live in darkness, miserable in ignorance, of the true knowledge and worship of God. Did you get that? The purpose is for the propagating of the Christian religion. The purpose of that first colony there in Jamestown was to spread Christianity. As they came to this new world, they come with the goal of being able to, as he says there in the charter, of people that are living in darkness, people that don't know how to worship God, people that don't know who God is. They came here to be able to tell people about Jesus Christ and to be able to spread the good news of, of, of the loving Savior and the living Savior that we have. Their purpose in leaving England was to come and to spread Christianity, according to this charter. To have a nation of Christians. But today, history and liberals will try to, to erase that fact. They're take, trying to, to take away the foundation of our nation, trying to take away the, the purpose of, of the European settlers coming here. Because ultimately, if you can take away the foundation, you have nothing to stand upon. In our verses here in Isaiah, we see that the prophet is, is addressing the nation as they're returning from slavery in Babylon. And if you study throughout the Old Testament, you know, it may amaze you how much of the, the Old Testament revolves around their slavery in Egypt and then being hauled off in captivity in Babylon. These two big events affect a, a great deal of the part of, of, of the Old Testament. But Babylon, as they had came into to Jerusalem there, they, they came into Israel, they had, they had laid waste to Jerusalem. Years had passed, and now Persia has, has conquered Babylon. The king of Persia looks at the Hebrews and said, I'm going to let you go home. I'm going to let you go home, as we've looked at in the past. You know, he sent them home in three different waves over the years. 
And as they have been talking about in the past, as they return home, they walk into ruins. They were excited. We finally get to go home. For those who were born in captivity, we finally get to go back to this, to this land that God has promised to us that we've heard mom and daddy and grandma and granddaddy talk about so much. And for those up in the, in the years that have lived through it, they, they're excited about being able to go home. But the wall protecting the city is, is torn down. And we'll talk about the biblical principle of walls in the week to come. But their homes are burned. They're destroyed. The city is laid in waste. But the biggest kick in the gut to the, if you're a Hebrew is when you get home, you see that the temple has been burnt and torn down. I guess the closest illustration, modern illustration that we could put on, on this today is that we came home and saw everything laying in ruins. It would be that if, we, if you had to evacuate for a hurricane, and you came home and there was, there was nothing left. That would only have been a few days. Well, we're talking years here in the, the Hebrew history. Your house is gone. Your kids' swing set, sandbox. The garden that you'd love so much, gone. Mom and daddy's house, brother and sister's house, all of it gone. Job gone. And the church is gone. First thing I want to look at this morning is Isaiah tells them to rebuild, excuse me, to restore the foundation. Restore the foundation. Looking at the first half of verse number 12. And those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundation. The nation returned, and as they're returning, they want things to be the way they used to be. You know, I think that's a, a... simple expectation that most of us have. You know, we want things to be the way that they used to be. They remember the way that they, they things were. They remember the stories that their, their parents have told them if they spent all this time in captivity. They remember the stories of grandma and granddaddy sitting down and telling them about the way that the Hebrew life used to be as they were going in and out of Jerusalem, as they were going to the, to the temple to worship. But now as the king of Persia is allowing them to, to return home from captivity, they've been gone for years. As they get back to Jerusalem, you know, weeds are growing up where the living room used to be. Trees and vines have taken over the streets where the children used to play. Scorpions are now running where the family dog used to. Grandma's house where they had so many great family gatherings and celebrated so many, so many holidays. It was nothing but a pile of ashes. The fields and pastures that generation after generation had had bled and sweat on, that they had worked on, that they had cleared the land to be able to make a a crop on, to be able to raise raise their livestock on, is once again growing wild. Again, worst of all, if you're a Hebrew, you walk up and the temple is gone. All you see over the time that has passed here is some burnt rocks. Babylon has hauled off anything that was worth anything. But as they're returning back from, from captivity in Babylon, Isaiah comes to them. God speaks to Isaiah. Isaiah brings a message to the people and says, let's rebuild the foundations. Isaiah said, yeah, things are bad. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. But he says, let's get started with the age-old foundation." 
Let's restore the foundation and build back. They had to start with the foundation before they could rebuild anything. Because you had to have a good, I'll still have to have a good strong foundation. But ultimately, that has been the, the devil's plan all along to take away the foundations. And in my opinion, it, it ramped up even more in, in 1859. Pam probably remembers it firsthand. That's, what, that's the year that Darwin came out with this theory of evolution. Evolution teaches us that we, we evolved from monkeys over millions and millions of years. It teaches us that monkeys evolved from frogs over millions and millions of years. The frogs evolved from amoeba over millions and millions of years. And amoeba came from lightning striking a swamp. And lo and behold, life created. The devil's plan has always been to take away the foundation that God created us. Because if he can take away the foundation that God created us, he can take away the fact that, that God doesn't love us. If he didn't create us, he didn't love us. And if he doesn't love us, he didn't send his son to die on the cross for us. In my opinion, ever since the devil saw how successful it was to, to take away that foundation, he started going after the foundation of America. People, again, you know, will say America wasn't founded on, on Christian principles. And that's nothing more than a lie the devil popped his head out of hell and told. In 1620, the pilgrims landed in Plymouth, Massachusetts. They're celebrating Thanksgiving in a few weeks. The purpose of the pilgrims was to establish a commonwealth governed by biblical standards. The Mayflower Con Compact, their initial governing document, clearly stated that what they had undertaken was, for quote, the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. William Bradford, the second governor of Plymouth, said, and I quote, the colonists cherished a great hope and an inward zeal of laying good foundations for the propagation and the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in the remotest part of the earth. The pilgrims landed to be able to propagate Christianity. Anytime you propagate something, you're, you're spreading, spreading it. If you take a, a tomato and take a cutting off of it and root it, you're propagating it. If you, if you divide up your hostas and spread them out, that's propagating. The pilgrims, according to their Mayflower Compact, came here to propagate Christianity. In 1643, the New England Confederation, stating the aim of the colonists of New Plymouth, and uh, New Haven, which is Massachusetts and Connecticut, was, and I quote, to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel thereof in purities and peace. This is the foundation of our nation. This is the reason that Europeans came to, to, the, to the new world because they wanted to be able to worship Jesus Christ and they wanted to let other people know that, that if they didn't know Jesus Christ, who he was. In 1638, a colony was established in New Haven in what is now Connecticut. The Reverend John Davenport and Theophilus Eaton, a year later, the Fundamental Orders of Connecticut, often considered the world's first written constitution, was adopted. It reads in part, and I quote, For as much as it hath pleased Almighty God, by the wise disposition of his divine providence, 
So to order the dis, dis, dispose of the things that we inhabit and res, inhabitants and residents, and well knowing where people are gathered together, the word of God requires to maintain the peace and union of such a people, there should be an orderly and decent government established according to God in order to dispose of the affairs of people at all seasons as occasion should require. The colonists' desire was to have a government that would please God. <laughs> Man, can you imagine that today? <laughs> I wish it could be said today. Fred Sanford would have had a fit here in hearing that. <laughs> but that foundation is being taken away. The foundation of why Europeans got here, why they chose to come here, is being taken away. Our foundation is being chipped away at. What are we supposed to do about it? That brings us to the second half of verse number 12. Isaiah says to repair the foundation. Repair the foundation. It says you will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Isaiah here is challenging the people to, to repair the foundation of the, the city, repair the foundations of the home, repair the foundation of the wall that protected Jerusalem, and to repair the foundation of the temple. He was giving them a job to do. God had given Isaiah a mandate to give to the people to repair the old, old age-old foundations. Oh, it wasn't going to be easy. Imagine you're walking back into Jerusalem there and you see a city that is in total destruction. And somebody comes up to you, puts his arm around you, puts a trowel in one hand, puts a shovel in the other hand and says, get to work. You're looking at a daunting task. But Israel even had it worse. The surrounding nations are, are talking to Israel. The foreigners are talking to Israel and say, you don't need to rebuild. It's not worth it. The city is, is too far gone. The foundations are gone. This city will never stand again. The temple cannot be rebuilt. If God loved you, this would have never happened to begin with. Foreign nations, the foreigners were trying to talk the, the Hebrews out of rebuilding the foundations. Truth is, you know, they were looking at a destroyed city and devastation because of their sin. They had brought this on themselves. God didn't bring it on them. God didn't wish it for them. He didn't want it for them. But because of their sin, the city had been destroyed and the nation that they loved so much had been destroyed and the temple. But the prophet said, come, let's rebuild the foundation of the temple, of the wall of the city. The city will never stand again unless we rebuild that age-old foundation. If you want the nation, if you want the temple, if you want this city, Jerusalem, that you've heard so much about and some of you have experienced firsthand, you're going to have to rebuild the age-old foundation or it's not going to work. Going back to the people that, that settled America, what kind of foundation did they lay? In Portsmouth, Rhode Island, Compact of 1638, which begins this way, and I quote, We submit our persons, lives, and estates unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and to all those perfect and most absolute laws in his, he has given us in his holy word. 
built upon the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Built upon, they wanted their, their colony, they wanted this new nation to be built upon what God had to say and what God had ex expected of them. The nation's foundation, the Bible and Jesus Christ. The Pennsylvania Charter of Privileges, which granted to William Penn in 1701, it quotes, All persons who profess to believe in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, shall be capable to serve this government in any capacity, both legislatively and executively, end quote. The Bible was used as a rule of life for the colonies. In 1701, according to the, to the Pennsylvania Charter of Privileges, you had to be a Christian even to hold a political office. My, how things have changed. According to Reuters News, Several Democratic caucuses took place during the 2020 Democratic National Convention. Again, according to, to Reuters News, the, the lesbian, gay, transgender caucuses and the Muslim delegates refused in the Pledge of Allegiance to say one nation under God. In contrast, according to Fox News at the Republican National Convention 2020, Peter Goldberg, a delegate from Alaska, said this, we know as Republicans that America must put its full trust and faith in God. According to the Intelligencer.net, it's thanks to Democratic President Lyndon Johnson in 1952 that politics, that, excuse me, that forbade preachers from speaking about politics. It's the Democrats that took prayer out of school, Democrats that passed abortion, as the Democrats had removed the Ten Commandments from the courthouse. Yet, when we see a picture of our president holding a Bible in front of a church, people get pissed off. But this is what the settlers came for, to have a nation under God. According to NPR.org, on January 16, 2020, President Trump said the government must never stand between the people and God. Again, I can't tell you who to vote for. I cannot endorse a, a candidate or a party, but I can tell you how a party believes, how a candidate believes, and how that affects our belief system. You decide for yourself. Isaiah told Israel the only hope that they had was to rebuild the age-old foundation. We as a nation... If we're going to get back to where we were, if we're going to get back to, to what we were founded upon, it's going to come in, from Christians standing up and voting. Last thing I want to look at this morning, it is war. It is war. Psalms, verse, excuse me, Psalms chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. says, For behold, the wicked bend the bow, and they make ready the arrow upon the string. They shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundation, excuse me, the devil is at war with God. The devil is at war with God's children. The devil's children are at war with God and with God's children. And he says there, the psalmist says, if the foundations are destroyed, if our foundation is taken away, what can we do? He said, he uses the illustration there that it is a war going on in this world. It is a war going on in our nation to, to take away our foundations. 
Because once the foundation is gone, everything else crumbles. Beloved, we cannot allow to continue to have our foundation chipped away yet. November 19th, 1863, in his Gettysburg Address, Republican President Abraham Lincoln said this, We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. And then he added those famous words, One nation under God. That is our foundation. That again is why settlers came to America, to be able to worship Jesus Christ and to tell others about him. Over in 2 Peter 3.17, it says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest you be carried away by the error of unprincipled men. You fall from your own steadfastness. Peter here is urging Christians to know what they believe. Peter is urging Christians, he's urging the church to stand upon what Scripture says. He's urging us to, to know what the Bible says. Not to fall, he says, there's unprincipled men. You know, a lot of, a lot of smooth talkers, as, as you see political debates, as you watch commercials on TV. A lot of slickness going on. But he is urging us to stand on what Scripture says and what God expects of us. And not to be led astray by unprincipled men. The New King James Version translates unprincipled men as, as wicked men. Anyone that is trying to take away the foundation is wicked. The Apostle Paul puts it as plainly and as simply as possible in 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, We've got to be on our knees praying for our nation. We've got to be in the, in the voting booth saying, look, you know, I'm tired of seeing the direction our country is going in. I'm tired of the way things have floated off. Let's get back to the foundation of why we're here and why we're not living in Europe now. Get back to the foundation that the settlers built for us. We pray for him. Father, again, we thank you for this day. Father, we are thankful, for, again, for those those men and women that risked everything to be able to, to come to this new world. And Father, we're thankful that, that history has preserved for us, Father, why they came. Lord, they came to lay the, the foundation for a society, Lord, the, of people that loved you. A society of people that, that believed in Scripture, Father. A society of people that, that put you first. And Father, we just ask that you will burden our hearts, Father, to always stand upon those, those principles, Father, and that you will continue to use Scripture, Father, to, to speak to our hearts, Father, to, to get up and say, enough's enough. Let's get back to where we need to be. Father, we just pray for this upcoming week, and Father, whatever it may bring, Lord, may we put you first. And we have proud things of Christ Jesus, the Savior's name. Amen. Keep looking up. Jesus Christ is coming back, and today is good a day as any.